The following evening, Chu Zonfer approached Wansfeld's cottage once more. He had spent most of the day patrolling the lands of the Sept on the orders of Cuts of Rot, the grizzled veteran whose duty it was to oversee the safety of the Sept and to make sure the pups didn't get into trouble. Even so, the previous night's stories had occupied his mind, and by the time they had finished, he'd gotten yelled at on three separate occasions for losing himself to his thoughts. Wansfeld sat where she had been the previous night, tending to the fire, sipping something steaming from an old battered cup as he approached. She eyed his face for a moment, but said nothing, her lips hovering over the cup as she blew on its content. Finally, Chuzon Fur decided to speak up. Elder, he began, his mouth uncomfortably dry. I I've been thinking about what you said yesterday. It, it feels like at times you were almost unnecessarily harsh on our ancestors, on our tribe, and I... She held up a hand to silence him, and there was a glint of something in her eyes. You guessed correctly, young chosen of Fenris, she hummed at him. But do call it unnecessary... Well, tonight, perhaps you may come to see why I hold such resentment to our ancestors, to our tribe, even tonight. She scoffed and threw the rest of her drink into the flames. You will judge my contempt only when you know on what it is founded. Now, where were we last night? You were to tell me about our tribe's involvement with the humans. Ah, yes, of course. Now, mind you, many of our tribe will speak at great lengths about Odin, Loki, and the king of the Jotuns, Utgard Loki. But as far as I am concerned, you will pick that up along the way. Odin, or Wotan, or what have you, is considered one of our oldest enemies, and there's no need for me to waste any more air speaking about him. Chuzon Fur looked like he was about to argue when she cut him off. If you really want to learn that story, remind me to get you in touch with another of our tribe once we are done. He loves telling the story of the fall of Heimhala. You'd think with the way he tells it, we never actually lost. <laughs> well, well, I will instead speak of the Romans, first of all. One can say that this was the first time we came in conflict with the other tribes because of their and our involvement with humans. The Silver Fangs and the Glass Walkers, well, warders of men as they were known then, had both gotten cozy with the people of the Italian peninsula, and when it came time to expand the empire, they gladly helped. Yeah, in hindsight, I'm sure they regret it, although you will more likely hear a glasswalker say so than one of the silver fangs. <laughs> the expansionism of the Romans caused great damage to our kind, and many say that the Romans' obsession with money and politics and power left a mark on humanity that is still causing us no end of trouble. Well, I'm sure some other historic civilization will disagree with that notion, but it's not for nothing that roads, towns, and castles are where they are these days. Well, in Europe, at least. The Romans knew how to wage war, and they did it against us as well. 
If of course we fought back, and our kinfolk took great pleasure in sacking Rome, stealing what was rightfully ours, and a bit more to boot, and this kind of back and forth went on for quite some time. One part of our tribe, the Cheruski, were actually convinced to fight for the Romans, but a great leader of the Get, Hermann Forerunner, set them straight, and began the great Germanic revolt. I'm not sure if you're much of a historian, but to the Romans, Hermann Forerunner was known as Arminius. Look him up the next time you're burying your snout in a book, and you'll be pleasantly surprised with whose lineage you share blood. Eventually, the Silver Fangs realized they were never going to subdue us as much as they wanted, and begrudgingly they instead offered us to join the Empire. At the cost of having our men serve them in the legions, of course. Remember how I mentioned the thick-headedness so characteristic of our tribe? Well, we certainly took that bait, an offer to wage war in distant lands for a wage... It was the dream for many hot-blooded Get and our kin. Yet eventually the Romans' treatment of our kind and kin went too far. Then when we were sent off to deal with the Huns, our so-called allies cheated us out of prize and support. Long story short, because Sigurd knows there's plenty of these stories, we turned our fury upon the Romans and we tore them a proverbial new one. You will find, young one, that while we may be thick-headed, we get offenders are not stupid, and we know betrayal when we see it. What is important to remember from all this is that as we joined forces with the Romans, our tribe would spread across the vastness of Europe, from the Franks in Gaul to the Saxons in Britain, and even the Vandals in Spain. Wherever these so-called barbarians went, our tribe tagged along, making sure no little ghetto Fenrises were brought into this world. Incidentally, I have heard tales of us working together with the silent striders even to settle along the coast of the African continent, causing the Romans no amount of headache. But if we did, we didn't stay. And I don't blame our ancestors for that one. Our fur is a little too thick for the heat of those latitudes. You mentioned Britain? Chuzon Fur began, and once fell, let out another long sigh. <sighs> if you ask our Scaldi, they will tell you long stories of how our tribe and our kinfolk came to the shores of those islands, wishing only to settle in peace and to protect the sacred cairns from outsiders. How we would fight the Romans for these lands, just as the Fianna and the White Howlers did. But, Chuson Fur added cautiously, but obviously that is a bold-faced lie. We didn't settle on those isles to help our fellow Garou. We are the strongest, fiercest warriors of the lot. Of course we don't help. We claim, we subjugate, and we rule. Somehow this mindset didn't sit well with the Fianna, I can't imagine why, and there was little love between our people for a very long time. In fact, even today the Gaelic people aren't particularly fond of the Anglo-Saxons, no? Well, maybe I'm getting all that wrong, I never did pay much attention to those affairs, unfortunately.
That being said, at times we did work together, usually when it came to driving out the Romans, which we had to do multiple times, often because of uh, uh, differences of opinion in how the lands should be ruled. Romans were quite good at taking advantage of that, you see. And I did mention the White Howlers, and while I don't think you are familiar with that name, even though you have faced one not too long ago, I will tell you that they now call themselves the Black Spiral Dancers. But they were once of the Picts of Scotland. Our folk had more in common with them than the Fianna. But unlike the Howlers, we never let our passions get the better of us. Once Feld glared into the fire for a few moments before continuing. Or maybe we have just been lucky. The White Howlers saw their kinfolk corrupted as they were busy fighting the Romans, and they would not stand for it. They brought the war to the Wyrm, and the Wyrm was ready for them. The less we speak of those weak-willed fools, the better. The, the world would be a better place if they had just died honorably there and then sacrificed themselves for Gaia, like the Cloatan did. She caught herself and quietly added, because of the short-sightedness of the other tribes, mind you, the Croatan were nobler and greater than any of us, and the price they paid should not have been theirs to pay in the first place. What followed the fall of Rome is complex and, on the whole, rather irrelevant for us at the moment. Our Scandinavian brethren certainly decided to travel quite a bit, but historians argue whether they were quite as brutal and bloodthirsty as poets would paint them up to be. Knowing our tribe, I would argue that, even if our kinfolk weren't, us get certainly made up for it and more. Burning churches, plundering, claiming septs and cairns from those weaker than ourselves. Great Fenris must have been proud. Now our British kin, on the other hand, would find themselves having to deal with the fallout from the White Howlers, and presumably also squabbling with the Fianna over who had the rights to all those cairns and kinfolk suddenly without a tribe. And for a while we kept out of human politics, but that turned out to be disastrous, no surprise there, to our ways of life at least. When Christianity expanded, many of our tribe disliked the ideals and virtues this new church represented, but despite countless raids, bloody attacks, and desperate attempts to stave off this new faith, the old ways would rapidly fall out of fashion, even eventually in Scandinavia. Now, mind you, this is a sensitive topic to many of our tribe, Chusonfer. Onsfeld gave him a stern look. You'd think, by the way the get talk about this, that it's still a war being fought, but I for one have never felt particularly oppressed in these days regarding my faith, and honestly I don't even know what the issue is. Worship of Odin and his children would be the worship of our enemy, would it not? As far as I know, there were no churches devoted to Great Fenris, not that he would have approved of this, of course, nor was Segan ever an object of worship, so I will assume that our ancestors merely took grievance with the philosophy of turning the other cheek. Quite frankly, that seems the most likely reason for their discontentment with Christianity. The meek shall inherit the earth. 
It must have sounded like a horrible prophecy to them. <laughs> well, regardless, I shan't bore you with the details of all the wars that were fought for whatever reasons, but suffice to say there was plenty of honor going around. Once our kin were Christian, and that did happen eventually, the Crusades were just another excuse for us to wet our blades in battle. Our kin had also travelled west across the oceans, discovering Greenland and, some say, the Americas. But of course not much came out of that, except perhaps some more pups that would see this new world as their homelands. By the time settlers came there once more, you would hardly find any guru there who would name themselves Fenrir or Ghetto Fenris. With that she gave a short barking laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot. Ghetto Fenris is supposed to be a derogatory word the Fianna called us once. You can imagine there was a war about that one too. <laughs> but these nights we may refer to each other as Fenrir, our old name, but no one stirs up a fuss about the get part anymore. Then on that topic I mentioned earlier, the Sword of Heimdall, they will become relevant later, and I will tell you all about them, but first I must urge you to remember the three sons of Great Fenris and what they represented. Strength in battle, a scald's tongue, and wisdom in leadership. These are traits the Fenrir have always valued highly, and any who have shown it, regardless of their creed, have earned our tribe's respect. I say this with pride, young Chuzonfer, because it is almost always true. We may occasionally be proudful and quick to pick a fight, but we do not judge others based on their looks, but by their merit. You may feel that I have rushed past some topics, and you would not be wrong. Human history is complex and difficult to cover in nightly talks like this. Yes, we supported the Empire of Charlemagne, for it was Germanic and of our people. Yes, we traded tales and shared beds with the tribes of the American Guru, well, except for the Wendigo, who had no love for us outsiders. Some, however, even came back to Europe with us. And yes, we partook in pretty much every major shedding of blood that ravaged the European continent. Tomorrow night I will try to speedily tell you about our more modern history as well as our culture, but for now I feel that ache in my bones and the dryness of my throat. Come tomorrow, for better or worse we will finish this, because all good things end in three, as they say. The five grandchildren of Cain wait patiently for the time of judgment to arise. Snow, wise beyond his years and powerful in his compassion. Bambi Parsons, a leader with an unbreakable will. Dr. Sheepington, whose wisdom, like the ocean, is deep and broad beyond our understanding. And Dugal, whose thirst for blood is matched only by his strength of will. Joining these elusive masters of our kind is Procyon, who has shed his weaknesses and has been reborn as a god amongst Cain's angels. We pray unto him for our salvation.
Their child or the Methuselah control our every move through their timeless jihad. They are her satanic majesty Danny, whose mere presence chills the heart. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, tutor of countless ventru in the arts of the jihad. Socrates Johnson, a masterful craftsman of stories. Lauren Eason, a trustworthy ally and friend. And the unemployed writer whose words have guided nations as well as Alexander Kanehurst, inquisitive explorer of the world of darkness. On the Council of the Primogen are seated Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, 06, Ian Nichols, the Black Friar, Ravenfang, Brad Hardwick, Pilgrim, Get of Mathrox, and Michelle Light, wise leaders and of good judgment. This week the Council would wish to thank the Elder Gaslight 88 for continuous proof of loyalty and competence, a testament to the unity of our kind. We would also wish to thank the Ancilla Shadowmind for their support and kindness in these troubled times. Naturally all our Elders, Ancilla and Neonates receive our gratitude from the bottoms of our hearts. Without your support, this would not be possible. And thank you for watching. The full moon rises, and Gaia's warriors strike out into the night. Tremble, servants of the Weir.